Tuesday, October 24th. This is the Northside Story Podcast. I am your host, Blake the Cat Miller. Got a new team name, but I don't want to spoil it yet. I am joined by always. Huh? I was just saying, don't give it away. Oh, I'm not. I'm going to save it. It's what they call teasers mm-hmm. in the uh, show business. Joined by always my best friend, the commish, Jake Bakke. Jake, how you doing? Aren't you going to add highest point scorer this week? To that title, I'm also going to keep that a secret until the end. Oh well, we'll actually not keep it secret. We'll we'll give you a little peek inside of that. You're talking to the two top point getters this week, Thanks. Um, and that might be the only time we're able to say that this year. So we might as well just be able to you know say that out loud right now. Yeah, both of us had big weeks. Week seven was a good one. We're still an episode early, but since we're talking about big. big uh, Big uh, week sevens, uh, Baki's bets. Woof. Yeah. Hopefully, rough, rough week for Baki's bets. Um, one oh. thing we we and I'll touch on it more next. I just and I wish we could attach the audio, but I remember telling Blake Saturday night I hate all of these games. Um, I did not feel comfortable at all. It's not necessarily an excuse. I'm just giving you a peek into like I just saw the lines and I was like, I have no idea. The over-unders I didn't like. Um, got unlucky on a couple of them. They could have gone either way, but the, the Buffalo game was a loser from the get-go. Yeah, just sore subject. I probably shouldn't have brought it up in this episode. But because we got positive vibes. Week 7 uh, is done. You and I had some big weeks. Some other owners had some, I wouldn't say big weeks, but just crazy finishes, just unfair, lucky finishes. Feel like we're already leading the witness. You already know who that owner is, but we'll go over that matchup. We'll go over all the matchups for everything that was week seven. Jake, you ready? Yep, let's do it. First matchup, we're going to go over Fitch with the win over Law Dogs. Close one, Jake, ninety-nine to ninety-five. Fitch goes to five and two. Law Dogs Mm -hmm. goes to one and six. And my prediction for this matchup was this was going to be where I was going to say, like, okay, we told you with Jameer Gibbs, that train is sold. Nope. <laughs> he had a big game, finally. Yeah, most of that was, though, I will say, most of that was in the fourth quarter because he was, that whole Detroit team in the first half was completely shut down. Like, I don't think, I think Amon Rob might have had one catch in the first half. Jameer Gibbs, I think, had a total of, like, three or four points. Um, so this was... All garbage time, though. All garbage time. Um, one of the more disappointing things, though, with the Law Dogs, he named his team after Trevor Lawrence. And obviously, uh, coming into that Thursday game, mm-hmm. not not knowing if he was going to go, really just bites in the butt now when you only had three points of difference. And you get an effort like he got out of Sam Howell. Plus matchup, plus matchup against New York. But I didn't see New York Giants find a way to win that game and really neutralize that offense. Uh, Wondell Robinson, you would think, hey, you know what, New York won. No, Wondell Robinson, his sneaky starting wide receiver this week, only ended up with 2.7 points. Mm-hmm. Really was Darren Waller's show. It was the uh, Saquon Barkley show. Because, like, Tyrod still – Yeah, looking at right now, Jalen Hyatt had 75 yards. Only had two catches, but, you know, 75 yards is pretty nice. Yeah, it wasn't like a game where it was just, like, the Giants' office, like, just stunk. Like, Tyrod was throwing the ball around. It's mm-hmm. just Wondell wasn't even an option. Uh, matchup was close though. Mark Andrews was definitely a beneficiary of this. I, I guess like 
do performance for Mark Andrews and just the Ravens offense. It seems like some weeks they're kind of stuck in mud, but uh, Mark Andrews, not nothing crazy changed in terms of production, kind of that same window. He's getting anywhere from like six, anywhere in the range of five, six to eight targets every single week, same yardage, still 63 yards, but seemed like, uh, seemed like this week there was a couple of, he made some big plays and just uh, big catches and big situation. But I mean, Jake, you just said it right before we started recording. What's give me a reason? Give me some reasons why he lost this matchup. Uh, I mean, Green Bay Packers defense. It's, it's <laughs> like they haven't really shown anything this entire season. They've yeah. had, they've had, I guess, two games that they've hit over ten, but the rest and you know, Denver. Like the the issue with Denver this year is not their offense; it's their defense. So yeah. Um, going on the road, if this was maybe a game at Lambeau, then I could see that. But I think Phil just kind of, you know, buying into Denver struggles and not really looking at what has played out. Um, but I agree with you, you know, the Trevor Lawrence, Sam Howell thing, I get it in the sense that Sam Howell's had some good weeks. Um, and you think that he would, you know, go up against the Giants and, and put up a respectable performance. But that was an ugly game. And still, once again, it's just starting two tight ends. Like, it's just, it's not going to work long term. Um, and Sam Laporte is a nice tight end, but, you know, Phil's going to continue to roll out this two tight end set. And uh, I think he's going to continue to lose games. I have officially killed Phil's team. Uh, Phil's team is now six feet under, um, which means that in the cemetery, they are the Law Dogs, the Meet the Robinsons, and I know it's not going to be popular with you, but the cat hashtag claws up is still in the cemetery. Um, so those three have been killed off. No shot at the playoffs going forward. Uh, didn't you have Phillips in there as well? Yeah, Meet the Robinsons. Oh, Meet the Robinsons. And then you said Sam? No, your well. team. Are you, have you not, oh, you're not just listening to the last 15 seconds of the I know, podcast? but I thought you... It's I thought you the law dogs meet the Robinsons and the cat hashtag claws up. The team Mercier has not been killed yet. Mm-hmm. I thought that was killed. Okay, well, how Phil lose this matchup? Who? Uh, what did Nick put up this week? I mean, just every Brian. You Brian, my bad. What you think, gummy? What's going on over here, buddy? No, Brian's I'm, I'm this week. Um, I predicted that both these teams would score under a hundred. I felt like. Both of these teams just kind of had ugly rosters. Um, both barely hit under 100. And I believe both of us thought that Jalen Hurts was going to have a good game. But we mm-hmm. didn't really like the rest of his team, which was yeah. pretty much spot on. Um, the Miami Dolphins pick six essentially won Brian the week. Um, just so gross. <laughs> which is crazy. And I threw that in the group chat that uh, wondering if Brian had the script for this week. Because starting the Dolphins defense, we both kind of questioned it. But it ended up being, you know, 10 points for the Dolphins defense. They didn't play terrible. Um, but looking at the rest of his team, you know, <clears throat> DeAndre Swift, Chris Olave, KJ Osborne, Evan Ingram. We talked about how he's Mr. Consistent at seven points every week. And Zay Flowers. I mean, all of those guys had less than 10 points. Um, and if Brian really wants to be considered a top team in this league, he's going to need more uh, production out of a lot of those players. Yeah, when we were going over Phil's team, uh, and you mentioned the double tight ends, I was kind of surfing the waiver waiver wire for 
wide receiver options and some of the options for like Phil's team was like Josh Downs and like that's what this Fitch's team team needs as well. KJ Osborne, we're week two into the experiment of the Minnesota Vikings without Justin Jefferson, and I'm just not – I can't be convinced for his production in that. He still kind of seems like he's filling the uh, same role. Uh, no, late in the drive, they started using him a little bit more when Hawkinson kept coming in and out, and there was that moment Jordan Addison. But honestly, still the third most like productive wideout on that Minnesota team. In terms of just like energy, it's like – was uh, Powell. It seems like he had a couple of grabs that yeah. um, he seemed explosive with the ball, which I kind of thought KJ was that. So Powell's walking right in into that spot. He's definitely something he can drop. Chris Olave, I know this is like, I can't imagine he's going to get suspended or anything, but interesting no. uh, him being arrested today for that reckless driving. That may yeah, be, no, that not, may knock nothing, him a week. No, nothing's going to happen. The well, only one... Only guys like Justin Ross for the Chiefs. He's had he had a crazy like incident where something with domestic violence, but nothing will happen with Chris Olave. Yeah, and then this and then just looking at his bench. Usually, when you have like a kind of meh outing like this, you kind of look at your bench and say, "Hey, I had a couple guys on by." He really doesn't. Got Miles Sanders, but considering the output he's getting out of James Cook, DeAndre Swift, I don't think Miles Sanders Miles Sanders is a startable option for the rest of the year. And he's got kind of middling middle the. Middling options. I mean, Gus Edwards definitely was efficient, especially when they started taking the lead against Detroit. He's more matchup dependent, and sometimes you just get a totally phased out Gus Edwards, Baltimore Ravens script. So it's not someone that I'm looking towards that can be a savior for this roster. Tyler Algier was a beneficiary of a strange, like, stupid benching, and we'll go over Bijan's situation in your matchup. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tyler Algier has been hit or miss. Uh, he started off the year pretty hot, but since then, this is his biggest outing since week one, where he's been plagued by three to four points. And then Michael Thomas, I don't know what you get out of Michael Thomas. We're actually very consistent in, uh, this year. He's been hovering around a pretty decent target range, anywhere from seven to eight uh, yards is in there. only reason why it's kind of a predictable is that he was able to fall in for a touchdown. But, yeah, I just don't like the options for Fish's team. But he did what he had to do. It took a pick six to win this matchup. Yeah. Um. Once again, I th- I'm very weary of. Uh, I think right now Brian's a team that you kind of want to face as far as going forward. Um. And in order for Brian to win, I think these matchups, he has to hope that Jalen Hurts, one of his running backs, and Chris Olave have twenty point outputs. Um. To twenty five outputs, point outputs to really make sure he solidifies a win. So, I would be weary. Um. If I were Brian, just because I think going forward, even though he picks up a win this week, um, you know, I, I think he's going to fall a little bit in the standings over these next few weeks. Yeah, he doesn't have to worry about that, though. He gets the win. He goes to 5-2. and two. Second place, Law Dogs. With the loss, goes to 1-6. and six. He's occupying his favorite spot at the bottom of the standings. QB Sneaks, Team Mercier. QB Sneaks gets the win, 100-60. He moves to four and three. Sam goes to three and four. I hundred points isn't a lot. I mean, he could have he could have beaten a couple teams this week. But when you're getting point outings from Pukunakua, uh, not even cashing it for a touchdown, but get 19 points out of him, you get 21 points, which is projections. But you're looking at some question marks. Him picking up Elijah Mitchell heading into this matchup about the availability of Christian McCaffrey, and you're still getting touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll absolutely take uh, 
not a 30 or 40 point outing that it seems like we're growing to expect out of him, but hitting projections. So some would say a lower end week, but Darren Waller, Darren Waller can get back into the good grace of this New York Giants offense and he can start scoring touchdowns at the pace that you and I and everyone kind of remembers back in the the Raider days. Uh, It's shaping up for just consistency, I think, with QB sneaks. Uh, Given given injuries that he's had with Justin Fields, but having Brock Purdy in there is kind of a steady 10, 12 points even in a uncharacteristically bad outing in terms of just interceptions. Mm -hmm. But uh, Raheem Mostert only five points, Keenan Allen. Very big letdown game for the Chargers. Uh, him only having seven and a half. But Pukunakua, Darren Waller, uh, both are guys, obviously, that weren't drafted high. Uh, Darren Waller was that next echelon below a lot of the top tight ends. And there were obviously question marks coming this season. But, like, outings like this, it's kind of it's kind of the reason why you spend a little pretty penny on him. And he hasn't been getting any near – Productions, but no, I really like QB Sneak's team with this long preamble when he can gut out victories and get that 100 point cap with uh, some unsung guys. Yeah, I felt like both Brian and Shane had bye weeks this week uh, with the that they played. Um, and that's mostly because we talked about how Sam's team was all of her like top performers were either hurt or on bye. Yeah. Um, besides Stefan Diggs, essentially. And looking across and just seeing who she had playing, kind of just knew that this team wasn't going to win this week, and we knew that Shane was going to win unless, like, half his team got hurt in the first play of the game. Um, so, not saying that Shane's team... Like, I've, I'm, I've, been a, I've been beating the, the QB sneaks drum for a few weeks now, and I think that he has um, one of, if not the best team in the league, um, but yeah, I mean, getting Darren Waller production, I think a lot of that has to do with Tyrod Taylor, um, and not necessarily like Darren Waller himself, because in watching some of those giants games, like there are times where Darren Waller definitely takes plays off and he kind of just goes out there and runs around. But I think once he gets in that consistency of the ball is getting thrown to him, he's a lot more locked in. And I think Tyrod, um, understands that in order for this offense to really go, Darren Waller has to be a part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think Daniel Jones has what it takes between the ears to really be an efficient and good quarterback in the NFL. And I think Tyrod, who is a vet and gets it, is definitely going to use Darren Waller um, going forward. So if I'm a Shane, I am hoping that Tyrod plays the rest of this season because I don't think Daniel Jones is going to use. We've seen Daniel Jones with Darren Waller. I think there's only been like one game this year where Darren Waller did anything with Daniel Jones as the quarterback. Um, so if I'm a Shane, I'm really hoping Tyrod's the, the quarterback going forward. But yeah, anytime you have Christian McCaffrey, who's guaranteed a touchdown every single week. So like I said last week, you're already starting up 6-0 every single week you play a Shane. Or sorry, down 6-0. Yeah. Every time you play a Shane. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, getting 100 points and, you know, with McCaffrey, Puka, and Darren all hitting 20, um, the rest of his team, I would be a little concerned. I, mean, I know the Ravens did a good job, and I know Shane carries two defenses, and I've, I've reached out to him because I'm always streaming defenses. Trying to find the consistency. The Niners' defense lately has looked pretty bad. 
Um, it's been weird, a weird season for them. They've had a lot of highs, but some lows. Um, and you always want to make sure you kind of solidify your defense and your kicker going forward because getting those points honestly makes a huge difference. Um, because if you look across the side, you see Sam who scored 60. Not that I would have made a difference, but having negative three for yeah. defense like really puts you behind the eight ball. Like it, it is hard to win games and fantasy if your defense or your kicker get, you know, three, two. That's how Phil lost that matchup. Phil had a kicker who missed a field goal, only had one point, had a defense who only scored two points. He lost by three, right? So if you just hit your averages or you have someone that goes as a pick six, I mean, we'll get into your matchup, but the Cleveland Browns having, you know, a pick six and multiple sacks and fumbles, like they, that really does change a lot of your week. So, um, not saying that, you know, a Shane's team is going to falter because um, not exactly sure where the defense or the kicker he's going to get those from. But, you know, I think if, if he is going forward, um, start looking into kind of already playing some matchups um, for later on down the line. But he's got a solid team. A lot of, a lot of, uh, he had two players, maybe one player that he's going to put consistently into his starting lineup on bye weeks. Um, but he's got, you know, a solid bench as well. Um, and, you know, he's going to continue to rack up these wins. Um, and, you know, I see him very much challenging for that second bye. Yeah, that, that second bye is definitely going to be contested. And the only piggyback I want to say on your analysis on just defense, like you've mentioned it, just so many of these, so many of these matchups have just been affected by a couple of points and just, not just going on the waiver wire, picking top projections, but um, really taking an emphasis on who you want to be starting, who you want to, what 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 defenses work well with with the offense that that they're playing against. I felt um, I felt like in this 49ers matchup, where you see you see a tough, stout, probably highly rated defense going up going up against Minnesota. Biggest challenge that San Francisco has had is just corners, and I know Justin Jefferson's not there. You think that's a that's a good opportunity to get interceptions and stuff. San Francisco, I feel like hasn't been doing it in bunches. So, yeah. one of those things is taking defense just seriously because, like you mentioned, minus three if the Detroit Lions get Baltimore, that's just brutal, absolutely yeah. brutal, and that's just yeah. kind of the theme. With go ahead, yeah, I was just gonna say, I also feel like home and away is extremely important because yeah. defenses don't necessarily travel. We watched the bills this weekend, although they're hurt, go into new England and give up 25 points against to a mm-hmm. bad new England team. And this is the perfect example here with the Shane is that sure. They go up against a team that might not put up the most points and Kirk cousins at times can be turnover prone, but you're still going on the road and having to deal with, you know, an efficient or, or sorry, an offense that, can move the ball at times. Yeah. When you look at the Ravens, it's at home. Detroit, second week of being on the road. You know, mm-hmm. they're gonna be, that crowd's going to be a little bit more amped up. Um, you know, so, you know, there are – and you always want to make sure you get enough uh, or you get as many points as possible, even if you're already in a playoff spot because you never know if you're going to be tied going into that last week or that last standings in, and it's going to come down to the tiebreaker being points. I feel like we're always talking about that at the end of the year. We're talking about points four and just mm-hmm. how that shakes up, especially right now where we're not, even though we are not as much of a uh, compacted league where everyone is just one win apart, where we've already seen with like Trey, Brian, teams are separating a bit. So you may not be battling with the whole league in terms of point four, 
uh, points for, but it seems like right now that that last that last six spots going to be tight. So yeah, any points you can get, it's going to be huge. Uh, no points for Sam Steen though, sixty points. Matthew Stafford against Pittsburgh. I can't watch my Rams anymore. Just absolutely faltered. You look like a plus matchup at home against Pittsburgh. But as I always get tricked every Sunday when I turn on the TV, that when the Rams are home, they're actually away. Uh, just every time they're on offense, you can just hear the crowd in the background, all those stupid, terrible towels. Tough day for Matthew Stafford. Go ahead. I was just say it's, that's that's what it's been like for the Chargers. So it'd be nice yeah. if the media would treat the Rams the same way as the Chargers, but I guess not. Alexander Madison uh, continues not to get any rushing touchdowns. Uh, no Vikings running back. No Vikings have been able to hit pay dirt. I would be worried in that game. It seems like Cam Akers is getting more and more uh, run in that offense. I keep saying that. I keep wondering. Uh, I know I, the first week Alexander Madison had a big week, and I thought it was all over. But you're already seeing on the waiver wire. Uh, Cam Akers is already hitting like seven, eight projections. So it's a little scary, um, especially for a team that's kind of struggling right now in the running back room with the injury of David Montgomery. So hopefully there's some better news coming out of next week. Zach Moss, I think I think I can fully take the crown off Zach Moss's helmet and give it to Jonathan Taylor in terms of that backfield. Jonathan Taylor seemed way more active, uh, seemed to be used in more high leverage situations. I mean, Zach Moss had 18 carries, and so did Jonathan Taylor. So I still think this is going to be maybe not a split backfield, but I would still make sure that maybe not Zach Moss in my lineup, but of course on a roster. And if you have a bye, which I don't think Sam's going to have a bye anymore because all of her team was on a bye list last week. But um, I still think Zach Moss has a chance to to get touchdowns in the red zone. Um, I think that he is someone that, and still run the ball. I mean, 18 carries for 57 yards, not crazy efficient, 3.2 average, but he had a, a run of 21. So, you know, it's still there. And he went up against a really good Cleveland Browns defense. So mm-hmm. I think going forward, this Colts team is going to be a lot more run heavy because Gardner Minshew can't hold on to the ball. Um, and although there were a couple of big plays by Gardner, um, a couple of those kind of broken down touchdowns like that, Michael Pittman, 75 yard. They just didn't tackle him. Like it was like a yeah. s- quick slant. And then he just grabbed the ball and kept on running and a couple of broken tackles. But I do think that Zach Moss is someone going forward, especially since Sam, like you said, has David Montgomery banged up. I, I would rather start Zach Moss than Alexander Madison. Um, yeah. Going forward. So plug in Joe Mixon as the RB one. If David, if Monty's not coming back anytime soon, then I still think Zach Moss is probably the RB2 on this team. Uh, down game for Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk had all his points, all his catches in the first half, and then just forgot about him like they left him or, in the locker room. Over reception betters. can't believe that. that. Was it was, – so was it at the the number without the hook so after the first half? Five and a half was the number. Oh, my gosh. Five in the first half. Yeah. Rough. That is disgusting. Zach Ertz, Josh Reynolds, you can't. Well, Josh Reynolds is going to be contributed to them playing Baltimore. And just it seems like they couldn't pick up that, pick up a first down the Zach entire Ertz day. Also on IR, so he is now gone for the next four weeks. She's gonna. So we're gonna have the rare. Phil is gonna be starting two tight ends. Sam's gonna roster two tight ends on her IR this season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I would expect nothing nothing different from our friend Sam. Um, ooh, maybe I'll trade her George Kittle. Maybe that's something I can talk to her about. There you go. Anyways, Josh Reynolds, um, like I mentioned, just bad offensive outing. Stefan Diggs hit projections against that New England game. Um, I mean, probably a lot more points were out there for him as he only had six catches and had 12 targets, 50%. So yep. it's always it's the big thing that you worry about when your number one wide receiver is going against the Patriots. I guess it's still holding true. He still had a lot of a lot of yards, and I believe he had a touchdown in this. With the yeah, he still had a touchdown. So I mean, you'll take fourteen points, but like when you got Stephon Diggs and you get twelve targets, and and fourteen points just seems low. So still a relatively tampered game. But as you mentioned, you thought it was a bye week. It literally was a bye week for Shane, as all Sam's people were gone. Um, she's still three and four. She's still in the mix. Like I said, it's kind of a log jam right now, a little bit at four and three, three and four. Mm-hmm. I was looking at scoreboard as as Monday night concluded, and I saw that I had the win, and just hoping and praying to see which team got the win, which team got the losses, because we're all tight right now. But outings like this, especially, uh, there's not a lot of optimism for Sam's team, as, as you talked about. Even with the addition of the Bengal players coming back. I don't see much. I see Zach Ertz being hurt. She's got to go back on that crappy tight end waiver wire. Um, I really, all I think a lot of it rests on what's the what's the long term health of David Montgomery because that was kind of the scoring punch. That was yeah. that was a scoring punch she had on yeah. her team, Very especially where so. she's sneaking up. How much uh, she was able to sneak up wins early uh, with the with just how the Cincinnati Bengals offense was running early in the year. It sounds like she. It feels like she kind of stole a couple of wins, and having him come back healthy, being able to be any semblance to that offense that he was prior to the injury, is I think is really going to be the catalyst for her team going forward. Yeah, um, you know, in a hypothetical f- fully healthy team, you know, one of Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs, T. Higgins, whatever tight end, and a Zach Moss isn't a bad team in a Cowboys defense. It's, it's a serviceable team, but you have to hope that the Cincinnati Bengals after this bye week, figure it out. Um, <laughs> because if they don't, then this team is not going to make the playoffs. Um, so I'm, I'm about a week, maybe two weeks away, depending on how the Bengals play um, to put Sam's team in the graveyard. Yeah. Uh, Bengals next week are on the road against San Francisco. Yep. So, so we'll see. Big, big test. Uh, QB Sneaks gets the win. He moves to four and three, fourth place. Team RCA moves to three and four, and is sitting in eighth place. All right, we are now going to talk about possibly the fastest riser in the North Side story, North Side League. Alvin and the Chipmunks take a hundred and five point victory over. Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> yes, you heard that correctly. Not five points. That's a 105-point victory. 173.88 to 68.86. Now, I don't really feel like we need to talk about Phillips' team too much. No. We can, we can touch on it a little bit. Justin Herbert, I don't know what that offense is going to be doing the next few weeks. They do play worse teams, um, so perhaps he, you know, Increases his point total. Brian Robinson, pretty much what we thought Brian Robinson was going to be the entire year. 
Bijan. I mean, that's the only thing I think we could talk about because the rest of his team, I will say this great Jackson Smith and Jigba start. Uh, by yeah, fan. I saw that um, pickup and I, and it was, he had a, you had a clear lead on him, but I do love just for like, Hey, anything can happen. I sure. got a chance here. Yeah. I see that injury come through. Let me go pick him up because it's not, he's him making that pickup starting him or not is not only a, Hey, I need points this week. That's something that's interesting. Interesting. If DK's yeah. out for an extended time, mm-hmm. you're he obviously showed that he's an immediate beneficiary to that offense. Yeah. And it's funny because Phil held on to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, for I know. Weeks. And, but we talked about this is that he wasn't being used at all. So yeah, you shouldn't hold him. But if you see someone pop up on the injury report, and this is specifically for Phil, who's known to pick up these backups to play. Having someone, and I don't expect Phil to like know DK's status unless he has yeah. him in their league. But yeah, it was a great pickup by Phillips um, because he has DK. And once DK was ruled out, you know he could have gone with uh, Smith and Jigba, even Jake Bobos. Uh, shout out UCLA. Uh, mm-hmm. That guy is can has shown not that he's Puka Nakua but that same kind of receiver model. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, great job by Phillips with that. Phillips' team is just bad. It's just not a good team. Um, no. And uh, we can touch on Bijan really quick before we head to mine. But, yeah, Arthur Smith needs to be fired into the sun. Um, yeah. Because this was just not fair. He didn't bench Bijan. Bijan was just – he was sick, and he had massive headaches, according to that's yeah. what Bijan said. So Bijan is just wasn't feeling good since Saturday night. That has to be relayed to fantasy owners Sunday morning. Somehow, some way, and I get it to an extent because Arthur Smith wants to go into that game, a division game, and not give any advantages to the Buccaneers and like so that they they were probably game planning for Bijan yeah. the entire week. And then if they were to be told Saturday night, Sunday morning that he wasn't playing, they would, you know, quickly kind of change to Algier or Cordell Pat- Patterson. But it sucks for fantasy owners um, because Bijan is such a special talent to where you're, everyone who has him is starting him every single week, and he throws up a, a point zero, and then he gets into the last drive of the game and runs for three yards, which I don't understand um, mm-hmm. why they had him sit the entire game and then threw him in the very last series. just makes no sense, but... Yeah, tough for Phillips, um, and that was just kind of a microcosm of his of his whole day. I wonder if there's like contract incentives for like Bijan playing in every game. So like possibly, I don't know. Very strong. Probably something stupid like that. But yeah, just another example of Arthur Smith not respecting the fantasy football community and him yeah. just being a dick. No longer my favorite coach. He's done. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and so was so was Phil, Phillips' team this week. I yeah. just. It, I even on the bench, forward. yeah. Just even on the bench, there's. I mean, Darrell Henderson Jr. could be a valuable uh, option next week. Um, but who knows I will say, I I, t- I said this in our predictions last week. I thought Josh Palmer is going to have you know a very good game, and he's going to be a good player going the rest of the way. You probably should stack him with Herbert, and you know having. 15.8 points, five catches for 133 yards. Like, this is going to be – he's going to get consistent points, and he's scoring mm-hmm. 15, 16 points, um, and he's not scoring touchdowns. But those touchdowns, I think, will come eventually once they start playing lesser teams. 
but he is Herbert. That's uh, Herbert's second favorite target. So I, I definitely think Josh Palmer is a good play going forward. Well, that's one good play. But now when we go over to Alvin and the Chipmunks, you see a lot of good plays. And I think and I even think the plays play, on the bench that could have made this possibly a 200-point week. But I, out of all the plays that you made and decisions, because you went a little funky with this lineup, I'm going to have to guess your favorite decision was Dustin Hopkins at, oh, yeah. <laughs> at kicker. Well, what's been funny is that I feel like for the last few weeks, I have just kind of plug and played different kickers and try to get someone to hold on. Last week, um, let me look at it really quick. Last week I had Fairbairn who had eight points, which was pretty good. But the week before yeah. that was Brett Maher, who was now cut. Uh, yep. He was terrible. Matt Gay before that had zero points. Um, the week before that, Cameron Dicker had three points. So I was really trying hard to find someone. And then I was like, you know what? The Browns in strolled in <laughs> Dustin Hopkins. Yeah, the Browns have a kicker that has been good. But they're also playing a team that they're probably going to move the ball a bit. And I don't know if they're going to score touchdowns, but they're going to move the ball. Dustin Hopkins comes in and just just kills it with two 54-yard field goals. But, um, yeah, great great job by Dustin. But the rest of this team, um, I said to uh, – said sent you and your, your brother a text message about 10.02, uh, two minutes into NFL Sunday – saying that I basically am done for the rest of the day. Uh, thanks to mm-hmm. Jerome Ford scoring a 68-yard touchdown, like the second play of the game, first play of the game, whatever it was. And you just know in those moments, especially if you're playing a team that had already started off with only scoring one point for their number one wide receiver, you won. And so mm-hmm. that was just the start of my day. As I talked about last week, how I scored 120 points without scoring any touchdowns. Uh, this week, I believe I had five touchdowns mm-hmm. uh, with Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, A.J. Brown, Jerome Ford. Um, and then Lamar had like four touchdowns himself. Um, he had a crazy day. So this was a week where I was like, finally, some of my moves have played off because I did not draft Jerome Ford. I did not draft A.J. Brown. I did not draft Travis Kelsey. And I did not draft Rasheed Rice. So you're looking at four players right now that I started last week that I made moves to go and grab. Um, and those paid off. And, and the guys that I did draft, Jonathan Taylor, had 19.5 on my bench. Um, you know, had other guys um, that I got in a deal. Like George Pickens had a good game, 13.2. Um, but, you know, having guys like Garrett Wilson and Tony Pollard on buys and still pulling up 174 points, essentially. I feel like the sky's the limit for my team, and I just have to get a defense in there that I can know will get consistent. The Raiders will be done on my team for the rest of the year. Don't have to worry about them. Um, But, yeah, I I like my team a lot. And even with Jerome Ford going out, this is why I built this team, because injuries do happen. And now I can plug in Jonathan Taylor. Um, You know, Tony Pollard will be starting as well. If Chuba Hubbard is the lead back, then I have him that I can co- go with. So I like my team a lot going forward. And and it's I feel like if we can consistently score points, I'm not expecting 173, of course, every single week, but 120, 130, like that is what I'm shooting for week after week. I mean, projections are a sham, uh, as we'll talk about when we get into my matchup. But 
I uh, I mean, spoiler alert to the next episode, but you and I play against each other, and I want to set that. And you're you can go ahead and pick up whoever you want. You are not touching my projections, buddy. Um, and you just have one of those teams right now where you just got you got good guys, and like you got one of those fun teams that when you go into like it's Tuesday morning and you're looking at your matchups, and you got like 120 projections, and you're seeing high teens across the board. That's built, like you said, it's built through, built through the draft. It's built through trading. You set your team up to uh, have multiple options. And those multiple options, sometimes they'll get you in a butt because you're leaving good guys on the bench. Or you just get weeks like this where it wasn't the, the best absolute cream, cream roster you could have put together. But still 173, big outing. What is it, 105 like you mentioned? 105 victory over Meet the Robinsons. Alvin the Chipmunks goes to three and four. Meet the Robinsons go to two and five. One of the least surprising victories of the weekend, the cat, hashtag nine lives. Not not me. Uh, hands up. Claws up. I already forgot my old name. Now I'm all focused on nine lives. But the cat, hashtag nine lives, wins, beats, slays the giant. That is the notorious 139 to 122. Easily my biggest outing of the year, probably 40 points more. And you talked about with Jackson Smith, uh, Najigba, and him being on Phil's team. Another member that was on Phil's team last week that he let go is my boy, my champion, my preseason. Hey, you got to watch out for this guy. Deontay Foreman with – not one, not two, but three touchdowns. And the two on the ground is like pretty normal for Deontay because that's what he does. But one through the air, I that's unheard of. He's got not a guy that usually gets uh, the ball through the air, but uh, he ran a lot of routes in this matchup. And they seem to trust him. He was all of his touchdowns came within ten yards. That is the Deontay Foreman sweet spot. But like I said last week against Minnesota. Points worth there in terms of fantasy points, but him getting 15 touches, 65 yards, that's all the guy needs this past week, 16 catches, or 16 carries, 89 yards, two touchdowns, and then the three through the air, that's something that Deontay Foreman said, he is like the poorest, a poor version of like Derrick Henry, but he's a guy that uh, he'll hammer you. You give him a little bit of speed, you don't you don't catch him in the backfield, he's not elusive at all. He'll run right through you. So adding him to the passing game, getting him out wide, getting him a head, uh, little bit of running speed, it's going to be big. And that team's still dealing with a lot of injuries, a lot of question marks in that backfield. Uh, Roshan Johnson, uh, believe he – they're trying to push him, get him on track to get him playing this week. Uh, they still have Travis Homer. When he was healthy, he was getting some play. But this is like one of those perfect ideal weeks that productive last week um, where – I mean, he didn't get a touchdown against Minnesota. But still ran the ball pretty efficiently. Got this new quarterback in the system now. There was some mesh. There was some gel that worked between them two that I may I may have stumbled at least next week into a starable running back. Pen news of Roshan Johnson if there's oh, any grumblings about. Next week, please do. I'm oh, I will. I'm begging. I will. Because uh, against uh, the Chargers. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, Saquon Barkley. Against a good run defense. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, let me talk about my team. Um, Saquon Barkley con- continues to be win healthy. He's hitting projections. Uh, 
Offense moves a little bit better with Tyrod Taylor, so I'm hoping that uh, Tyrod Taylor under center is going to be somewhat consistent. Another big one that I want to talk about was our matchup really came down to Monday night. It was Trey was up nine points. He was up nine points heading into Monday night. He had TJ Hawkinson. I had George Kittle and Jordan Addison. And there's nothing better. I mean, TMI for the audience, you don't need to picture it, but I always love having the ESPN app on where it's like, it's like that really slow play by play. And I was in the shower and I just couldn't get out of the shower because I was watching the last drive. And you always think about like, dude, how amazing would it be if they just threw like a 60 yard touch? It's like, it's like what Trey feels with Tyreek Henry or Tyreek Hill. And just like at any moment, a 60 yarder is just waiting for Tyreek. But I got that with Jordan Addison. I flex a little bit in the group yeah. chat, but sometimes it's 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 better to be lucky than good. Yeah, and, and Tyreek uh, is good. Jordan Addison lucky, but yeah, but still, I mean, I'm taking I'm taking this as a extreme positive. Uh, we talked about KJ Osborne his involvement in the offense with the uh, detracting of Justin Jefferson. I'm taking this one as a positive. I'm taking this one as uh, even even away from that touchdown, he was targeted. Uh, there was another target that he had in the end zone that he just went through his fingers. Seemed like seemed like a a, a big option in the red zone because that's not what I would imagine Jordan Addison being more of the deep threat guy, which came off that big touchdown. But uh, especially in this game, ten targets, most he's had all year. He's had a, he's had one nine outing and eight outing, but pretty much lives in that five to six throughout the year. But I'm just super excited. I mean, just the Deontay Foreman, Jordan Addison, two of not really the conventional guys I would go with uh, on my lineup. But I, I got a lot of guys that – I got a lot of guys on my team that are just – that stink. And it's been evident by my 100-point outings. But it's week like weeks like this. I put up 139. It comes off kind of a dis- late decision with Deontay Foreman plugging him in. I mean, obviously by necessity because I'm not playing Najee Harris. And I will continue to not play Najee Harris, even regardless of his touchdown he had against my Rams, which is just on point. But um, just big week, big week, very gutsy win from the cat. Yeah, I give you props for for calling. I know that most of the time you're you're sarcastic and and trying to predict these things, but I know that you were confident in Deontay Foreman, and he had a hell of a game. Um, and you know you picked your team to beat Trey's team, which I don't think a lot of people would have. And and you had a good week. This is, I think, by far, not even close. This is by far the best week you've had this season. Um, <clears throat> so I, I get the excitement. I do think it's hard to replicate these weeks because you're looking at two players now. Addison, I think, going forward is is of good flex play. Maybe even a wide receiver too over or over Marquise Brown, perhaps. Um, because I think he is going forward. If Justin Jefferson doesn't come back, he is, of course, going to be Kirk's number one option um, alongside TJ. So, yeah, I I see the excitement, especially getting a win with Derrick Henry on the bye is big. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a blessing in disguise because I don't think you would have started Deonta Foreman if you had Derrick Henry. Um, and you never know with how that offense is going. You don't, you're not really sure what you're going to get out of Derrick Henry. You could get a seven point game. You could have gotten, you know, a 30 point game like Deonta, but um, big week for your team in general. I'm excited to see it next week. 
<laughs> I mean, it's I've always struggled against you in any fantasy sports. I feel like football kind of have my number. I smoke you at hockey, but anytime we match up in this league, uh, it's always nerv- nerv- nervous. But I'll take these one through nine. See a lot of positives. There's still some questions I have with my quarterback situation. Jordan Love kind of sucked, obviously. And uh, Jared Goff, I'm, I'm going to chalk whatever that happened in Baltimore as maybe I know there was high wind, but that didn't seem to be an issue for Lamar. But I have obviously tons of question marks. Uh, I was confident with my team this week, but a little tongue-in-cheek as always. But at least I know. It's like, uh, what do they say? I don't want to mix up my expressions. Yep. But – it's like a basketball player at the line, like that struggles with like free throws. Like you need to see your, you need to see one go in. You just need to see the ball go through the hoop, just once. And I feel like now that I've seen that my team on any given Sunday can put up a one forty, um, there's some optimism here. All right, well let's see it. Let's let's have you do it back to back. Show show the world that your team's not dead. Do it back to back weeks. I would give anything for that. And I would imagine that Notorious would give anything to have back that perfect record because I know he covets that. So I think... I don't know if he covets that. I know he covets beating you and being able to rub it in. So I think I think that's always something in fantasy that we like to touch on is, although we all respect and enjoy trash talking and like each and every person in this league, um, there are people that we like to beat a little bit more um, than others and I feel like Trey is that with you as far as he likes enjoying the trash talk and and beating your team and now you can hold this over his head the rest of the season because I don't think you guys are going to play each other again um, going forward <laughs> so um, whoa, you know, whoa playoff second round like I said I don't think you guys are going to play each other the rest of the way <laughs> so you can always hold it over his head that perhaps you know you can tell him you know, once your team misses out on the playoffs, you can tell them, well, you know, if I would have made it, you know, back in week six, you remember what happened or week seven, if I would have made it, then, you know, you would have been out of the playoffs by now. So you can yeah, always I hold guess that when in he, your back pocket. Yeah. When he inevitably wins the trophy again, yeah, I, can trans- yeah. I can do transitive property to say yeah. that I was better than everyone in the league. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So you have that in your back pocket going forward, which is, you know, something, it, definitely not nothing. So I definitely... I'll give you that. Yeah, and he it's not like he like pooped the bed or anything bad happened. I mean, he he still put up 122 mm-hmm. still in the upper half. I think he's a quick scanning yeah, he would have got third place this week. So, yeah. he would beat every other person besides besides you and uh, really the stinker, really the only stinker that you can have is just Josh Jacobs with four points. Uh I'm going to continue to beat this drum. Josh Jacobs this year is not a top running back in fantasy. He's just not. And it is it is quarterback play. It is the offense. It is the line. He has rushed for less than four yards a carry every single game this year. He's not getting the touchdowns. He's not a receiving back. I mean, he does have some games like the Chargers games where he caught eight catches for 81 yards. But that was with a rookie quarterback. So perhaps if they put that rookie back in. They put O'Connell back in after Hoyer kind of was absolutely trash on Sunday. Um, perhaps that can kind of help him out. But Josh Jacobs this year, 
where Trey drafted him in the second round, he is not that type of running back this year. And I will still say this. You and I can disagree. We can agree to disagree. I do not think Isaiah Pacheco is an RB1 for fantasy. I think he's a good running back. But I look at Trey's team, and I still see big holes. Now, his points every single week can definitely offset what I'm saying because he's still third in the league with points for. He consistently scores 120 points a week. Um, but I will say a lot of these plays this week were because of, you know, is, is Mike Evans going to score a touchdown every, every week? Um, is Jacoby Myers, who we both have liked throughout the season, Jacoby Myers has scored in three straight weeks. You know, he's getting these plays. Like, we know Tyreek Hill is going gonna, is gonna to be amazing every single week, and is that going to be enough going forward to where the rest of his team can kind of, you know, pump up those numbers? Josh Allen, he's lucky to have gotten 24 points. Um, and it was actually 26 because he gave up a fumble at the end of the game. But 24 points, I believe he had three points at halftime or two points at halftime. It was something crazy low. It was like the last quarter, Josh Allen turned it on and scored like 15 fantasy points and had a one-yard touchdown run. So I don't think Trey is going to repeat this year. I think there are other teams that are going to beat him because I still see holes, and I don't think he can rely, like he did last year, on the Eckler-Jacobs-Allen train. But he still has a good team. I just I I don't see consistency consistency because we talk about his bench too. There's no one on his bench that he can really plug in um, in these situations. Christian Watson has been extremely disappointing this year. Rashad White has been had a decent game with 13 points, but I think a lot of that came from catches. Yeah, six catches for 65 yards. Tyler Lockett with DK being out only having 5.8. Um, and, you know, Higby, I'm not sure why he has Higby on his <laughs> team in general. No. Um, so, you know, having two other quarterbacks on his bench too, I think there are going to be some weeks, once again, where we talk about buys. And I can see Trey dropping some of these games because I feel like he hasn't had to deal with a lot of bye weeks um, with his players. I don't believe Tyreek definitely hasn't had his bye. Josh Allen hasn't had his bye. Uh Josh Jacobs, I don't believe, has had his bye yet. Uh, Pacheco Ooh, hasn't we, had his bye. You so. know what? I was just thinking about Miami KC is in Germany, so they're going to have a bye the same week. So well, that's going to be now, big. And I believe, yeah, so it looks like Week Miami, 10 for yeah. KC and Miami. Yeah, so both of those will be week 10 and then week 13 where he has Josh Jacobs and Jacoby Myers is week 13. He has a bye. Mm-hmm. Um Minnesota also has a bye week thirteen as well, so there goes TJ. So you're and Josh Allen week thirteen. So let's if you're playing Trey week thirteen, which is going to be Nick, of course. um, Then (laughs) Nick with the the luckiest the luckiest fantasy guy this year. Then you're looking at most likely a loss in week thirteen, and even week ten is tough without Tyreek Hill, which is against Steph. So. You know, those are two playoff teams right now to which mm-hmm. you can start seeing some of those games being dropped. But once again, Trey still has a good team. I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to drop all these games. Um, but this is not the the uh, the notorious teams of years past. This is what your grandfather 
No, his old teams are what your grandfather would tell stories about. This team, um, I I still think they're great. I mean, I we, we disagree. I, I agree with Josh Jacobs. I hate Josh Jacobs. I, I, I never, never once considered him as, as a top guy. He just seems like every week that he had a big week is more of a surprise rather than a, a normal occurrence for him. So I'm with you on that, but I'm so, I'm so far against you with Isaiah Pacheco. I think he's... Definitely board, uh, definitely RB one rest of the season. So nothing so can, the Chargers, nothing. Huh? <laughs> okay, thirteen okay. carries for thirty two yards against a mediocre run defense. Got to get okay. rid of on that. But yeah, it's like so, Deontay will. Deontay yeah, I'd rather will take Deontay week. Foreman than Isaiah Pacheco going forward. Well, still one twenty two is not a bad outing. Torius is going to have to lose sooner or later, and he's losing to the people's champ. The cat hashtag nine lives moves to three and four seventh place. Notorious first loss of the season. He is at six and one, but still holding that first place crown. You mentioned them in the last matchup, Jake. Rum Runners, luckiest team. If there's a luck, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, Nick is a a lucky person in general. Um, Anyone that knows Nick knows that. Anytime he walks into an AMPM and buys a scratcher, it's like the probability of him winning it is higher than him losing it. Um, anytime that he goes to Vegas, we've seen it firsthand. Blake and I could be losing hundreds of dollars on the Buffalo machine, but once Nick walks over, sits down, and puts in like twenty bucks, he's about three grand richer after. So you know we've seen all of this firsthand. Um, I'm sure Brian can attest to many more things that Nick has done in his life that he's just won. Uh, we've all heard stories, but back to back weeks, um, winning on Monday or Sunday night. And I believe last week, Nick won by 0.5 or something like that. I guess, yeah, Brian. Um, and then this week, thanks to a last drive, um, Kirk Cousins. Just winning by 1.1, not even that. It's just, it's unbelievable. And it's, it's something that we're looking at as, as we were kind of going over the matchup. This was our matchup of the week. um, And I'm glad that it was because this one was the closest and a lot riding on it because Steph was on a three game winning streak. um, And Nick has been trying to, patch his team together as the season has kind of gone along with Deshaun Watson being a dud with James Conner getting hurt, uh, trying to offload Gabe Davis to fill for Mark Andrews. Um, so, you know, him doing all these things and still winning um, is just, it's like I said, it's sometimes it's better to be lucky than good um, because I really do think Nick's team in general is lucky while Steph's team is is good. But it's just a rough loss for Steph because you're looking at Patrick Mahomes. Best game he has played all year by far, not even close. Yeah, um, The Chargers defense, passing-wise, has been a dumpster fire. Uh, the players are saying they're wondering why they're not playing man. But Brandon Staley, the defensive genius he thinks he is, is playing zone, which is just the stupidest thing to do against a Patrick Mahomes offense because they're going to pick that apart every time. We didn't even touch on Travis Kelsey in my 
matchup. But remember, I said that anything below 100 yards and two touchdowns would have been a disappointment. Well, he had like 160 yards and a touchdown and had close to 30 points. Amazing day for him. But Mahomes had, what was it, 424 yards and four touchdowns. Um, Did throw a pick, which he has thrown a lot this year. But four touchdowns for Mahomes and having 36 points, but still in a losing fashion because her second round pick and her third round pick combined for 11 points total which anytime that happens in fantasy, unless you've made trades for other players, anytime you have your second and your third overall pick score combined 11 points, you're most likely not winning that matchup. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just go player by player on her team and you can just think of like Cooper cup, like Cooper cup, 5.9 points. Like he, he had, he had seven targets. He had two catches. Yep. Any like any catch that that probably puts her over the top. Mm-hmm. You talk about Magic Mahomes. That one pick, literally, that was the difference in this yeah. matchup. Yeah. You talk about you talk about defense a lot this episode. We talked about the importance of like not only having the right team and the right matchup. The Bills' defense against New England, zero points, two points would have been the difference. That's Brett Maher two. missing an extra point. That would have won that literally matchup. is the difference. You can't even look at his stats. Basically, they, like, Steph paid him. Steph paid two dollars for Brett Maher. Steph paid two dollars for a loss this weekend. Yep. Rough. I mean, it's rough. It's it's one of those things where fantasy sports is so frustrating at times because I have lost two matchups um, this season based off of one single decision. I believe one of those decisions was like picking Matt Gay, who got me zero points over another kicker that would have, if he would have just hit his projections at five or six points, I would have beaten Brian's team. So it's yeah. one of those where it's just, it's hard. It's so hard um, when these games happen because it's all just, you're looking at hindsight and you're just like, what if I would have just done this? I mean, we look at our bench and there's no one else that she should have played, right? Like, Everybody else, like there was maybe no reason for a Zach Evans, and you could probably could have just dropped him. But her regular kicker is Brandon Aubrey, who's pretty good this year for the Cowboys. And of course, you pick the kicker that lost you the matchup, or you paid two dollars of your fab, and you paid, and now he's not even on an NFL team. So, um, yeah, the last drive of that Bills game, the Bills are up. You have Mac Jones drive eighty yards or seventy-five yards. And you have him grittying all over your dead team. Um, basically, that's why you lost. So just think about that. If you if you haven't seen Mac Jones grittying in the end zone, thanks to the Mike Kosecki touchdown, I highly recommend it. It is comedy. Um, maybe that would brighten Steph's spirits after this loss. Probably not. But yeah, it's a rough, rough loss for Steph. Luckily, she's still in that uh, sixth seed for those playoffs. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like one of those. I don't know if you know the Breaking Bad meme where it's like, how can he keep on getting away with this? Yeah. Jesse Pinkman yep. is like crying. Mm-hmm. This is how I feel about Nick's team and Nick in general because looking at this team, um, a Kyle Pitts team is now five and two. Yeah, Kyle Pitts and like wide receiver one Gabe Davis. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson. I mean, 
what a, why we're he had him locked in when we did the original matchup. So <laughs> finding Kirk Cousins and, and plugging him in definitely a smart choice. And it's just yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he keeps getting away with it. And it seems week after week he's being able to being able to pull it off. And you talked about these are the the outputs that Seth needed to have with Mahomes and and we've been very critical on Dallas Goddard and he seems to have definitely turned he it has around. Found his role in the offense. I will he has found his role in his offense finally. And I think, I think, I think Steph shakes her magic eight ball every like Wednesday night, Thursday morning, setting her lineup about if she, or should she not play Christian Kirk? Because I feel like she's, so desperately wants to win with Christian Kirk as their starting wide receiver uh-huh. and given by and given Adam Thielen being out, this is her opportunity and him putting up 16 in that matchup is huge. Uh-huh. It's huge because he's been consistent too. It's he's, he's average besides week one. He's had he's about 12 points every single week. So like she got the pieces. Um, she, Like usually she like kills herself with like, her secondary pieces, the ones that she has to make tough decisions on to fill out her lineup because her starters have been pretty solid, but just an absolute blunder by just multiple random, like small cuts in her lineup. And you cannot do that. You cannot give run runners any inch because he'll pull it out in the shortest of smallest of margins. Yeah. And just looking at Nick's team, I mean, some of these plays that happened and just kind of doing that whole hindsight and reliving this, these things like Michael Pittman catching a 10 yard pass and the Browns defense, you know, not being able to tackle him and then run him running 60 yards. That was in the fourth quarter. Like he had one catch for, I think it was like two yards going into the fourth quarter and then him getting a second catch for 73 yards, and you just happen to lose based off of all those points that he racked up right there. Kyle Pitts, I don't know if and other people, I know you saw it, but I don't know if other people saw it. If Kyle Pitts doesn't make a one-handed behind-the-back catch mm-hmm. as he's running across the middle of the field, Steph wins this matchup. So things like that where it's just it's, – it's crazy. It's, it's pure luck. Um, we'll talk about this in Baki's Bets. Um, next episode, but if Dan Campbell doesn't do an onside kick down 30 points with six minutes left, Justin Tucker hits an easy 30 to 40 yard field goal that puts them back up 30, 32 points, you know, things like that, where you're just like, that's the NFL, but all these things matter. And we talked about how defenses and kickers matter. You're looking at a perfect example here, right here, 12 points for Nick combined defense kicker. And you're looking at one point combined for Steph. So it's rough. Uh, It's one of those where you just have to like hope that Tuesday comes really fast after you see, after you see this ending Monday night, you're just like, I just need to close my laptop, not be on my phone, not look at the scores and wake up, set my lineup for the next week. And we're on the next week because you just have to forget it. You just have to wipe it from, and it's going to be hard because I get it. I've been there this couple times this year. You just have to wipe the slate clean and you move on to next week. Highway robbery. Rum runners done, does it again. He goes to five and two, third place. House Targaryen falls within the pack a little bit. We got a couple of 
three and four teams, but she's holding on to the tiebreaker that is sixth place. And I will say this to wrap this up. She does play Phil next week. So a perfect palate cleanser.